1: Let's get them out of their seats and into the ring.
2: You got to kiss me. to do this. This is the Finishing Move Podcast with Nick Cellini, Big John, and Adam Gillespie. We've got recaps, the latest storylines, and the biggest moments from the week. Now it's the Finishing Move from the Fans Podcast Park.
3: All right, welcome to another edition of The Finishing Move. Please like and subscribe, and please download Nick Cellini alongside Big John Radcliffe and uh, Adam Gillespie. We'll take you down memory lane, some of the things that happened over the course of this week in wrestling history. But as always, let's start with what happened on AEW and how things all began with uh, Hangman, Adam Page, and Matt Hardy. and Well, I, I guess we all we all knew this was coming, but the way it was done, how finally... Matt Hardy turns heel on Adam Page via the Jacksonville Jaguar mascot, to me, was priceless. You just you just knew that someone was in that costume that was going to attack somebody. Yeah,
2: and when it was J.R., maybe it was Tony that said, oh, I wonder if Urban's under that. <laughs> That's like, yeah, I can see Urban Meyer, Mr. Personality, Mr. Funtime coming out in that. That's again, Urban, Urban Meyer!
1: I think that one's coming personal from you, Road Dog. I don't think that one's just anything of Urban Meyer and has anything to do with wrestling. It's there just may be a little, little there. bit of personal, personal hate that goes yes, into I, that I, one. I like the fact that uh, it was essentially a wrestler in there with the uh, the balloons and Isaiah Cassidy came out and he basically came out to help Matt Hardy in terms of you know Matt Hardy. Look, he was trying to rip off Hangman Page, and I like the angle. I like the whole concept. Yeah, me too. Of, it, it's almost Ted DiBiase esque to me. The Million Dollar Man. He he became the world champion of WWE. Why? Because he bought it from Andre the Giant. I kind of like the angle that they're going with it. My only thing that goes into it with Matt Hardy is look, the knees aren't what they used to be. You watch the guy move. You watch him run around the ring. It's not what they used no. to be. Hangman Page is an amazing talent. Well,
3: his job is not is now to put over a guy like Hangman.
1: That's Man it. Page. You That's pass the really torch. Really, all it to say. is is to put him over and. I have no problem with Matt Hardy if he wanted to become a manager. If you're going to manage a pri- manage private party and you want to put together your own stable, I think he could do great on the mic. I think he could be great for young up-and-coming talent. But putting him in another match, he's not at that point where I'm cringeworthy and watching him in the ring, and I think we'll talk about it a little bit later on, and watching old men take bumps, but... It's one of those moments of, Matt, it might be time to give it up.
3: Well, tell me more, Adam, about the second match of the night. Rio and Serena Deeb, because it seems to me that got the best reaction
2: of the night. It did on stage, and I don't know if that was a make sure we give this a lot of uh, publicity on stage. It it was a nice match, but people were flipping out. Yeah, Rio was their first uh, AEW Women's Champion going back to when they started... Uh, They got Serena D as the uh, NWA uh, women's champion, so it was champion versus ex-champion. Yeah, they were both very talented ladies in the ring, and they did put on a good match. Uh, It did deserve some accolades, maybe not to the level that it got, Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed it. They're both very talented. Then you
3: got match three, Big John, Orange Cassidy and Luther. Eh. eh.
1: Orange Cassidy, the beauty with Orange Cassidy is the fact that you know what you're going to get from him. You're going to get this match that it's just so off the wall. It's just this guy. Luther, I worry about his heart. It, he just doesn't look like he should be moving in the ring the way he does. The match was just that. It was just Orange Cassidy versus Luther. It was filler. Yeah, there was nothing that was there. And it's one of the things that I think I've been a little bit critical of AEW about. And if you even you guys watch it, like Rio and Serena Deeb. There's not a whole lot of story there. It's just this is what it is. Here you go. We're going to put something together that's there, and then we'll move on. I
2: would say the story there for both of them, one of them is a tournament that they're leading up to. So you're not going to have stories in the particular matchups every time you are in a tournament like that. And then the set, the Orange Cassidy, it's, the purpose of that story was just to welcome him or to get him back into TV. Luther was pretty much an enhancement talent for him at that time, uh, to get him back on, see his signature moves and get the f- crowd familiar with the Orange Cassidy again.
1: Uh, and I go back and forth on it, whether I, Orange Cassidy, he was off TV, but he was just in a program with Miro where he was in a cake ruining a wedding that's, that's a classic true. technique that he was so he that was just on tv wrestler. not to not to not in the i agree i understand that <laughs> uh,
2: but they, they both had purposes and i think <laughs> they served their purposes now how valuable those purposes was could be debated
3: is it meters taz gained like seven pounds every week because <laughs> he gets bigger every week he comes in the ring with cage and they they start talking about sting and then sting comes in the ring and taz oh you need dead bet You need that bad, do you? He drops the bad. Well, we knew what was going to happen at that point. That was a hell of a bump Sting took, though.
1: That's what I was alluding to. When he took that bump, I cringed. It was just kind of one of those scenarios of, okay, at 61, I know he's a pro. I know he knows what he's doing. He's been doing this for years. Is he okay? Did he have a concussion? I mean, you really got to trust that other guy, that other younger guy.
2: 100%. And and that's not somebody who Sting obviously had ever worked with before you would think he he may have felt come more comfortable with other guys Brian Cage I'm not saying he's uh reckless or or careless but man I, I I'm like you Big John I was I was like when he hit the power bomb I kind of
1: tightened up a little bit and it's like, oh, I hope Sting's okay. And the way they did uh, the camera know. with him getting up and he, you know, and I know there's the sell aspect sure, of it. Sure. You got to sell it, but still, he you know what happened. he's looking him. at the lights and it's one of those things of, it's like when you see a, a boxer get knocked out. His eyes are open. He's looking at the lights and then they show him getting up to one knee and you're just kind of, is he okay? Like, is he doing a great job of selling this or, did he break another break another vertebrae in his back? It was a little concerning there for a few minutes.
2: I think there's also a message in this kind of being shot across the bow, which we've known AEW to do. And I think Sting may have a little bit of a bad taste in his mouth from his WWE rank, run. And maybe part of that bump was a signal to WWE and the fans in general saying, I could still wrestle. I can still take bumps. WWE chose to shelf me, not myself. Just don't do it
1: to the turnbuckle.
2: I I just—it's
3: not something that I would do again. To each his own. It's his body. But if I'm Sting, I mean, you already had some issues with the neck and the narrowing of the spine. I I don't see any reason. You've accomplished everything there
1: is to accomplish. I don't see any reason to, to take
3: a shot like that again.
1: You're a Hall of Famer. You're you're one of the greats. No matter what, I mean. You know, obviously. I thought he
3: would be attacked. I didn't think that was gonna happen.
1: I thought it'd be old school. The bat would come out. We, we would see, uh, Darby Allin come out. It would go there. Okay, maybe they throw him out of the ring. I didn't see the powerbomb coming. And that, look, that's the beauty of AEW. That's what we talked about was, one of the things, whether it be the champions, whether the way the stories go, what we expect to happen as wrestling fans, as wrestling marks, wrestling know-it-alls. Then you look up and you're just kind of, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I don't want to see that again. I don't want to see this street fight. I'm going to watch, but I don't want to see the street fight because it is one of those things of, are you going to try to put them through a table? And even if you look at AEW's ring, where their ring sits up. Very high. I mean, they walk down a catwalk where, like, if you look at WWE, others they walk to the floor, climb the stairs. Right. They're on a catwalk. You throw him off that ring apron,
3: you can't help but to cringe a little bit. Yeah, there's no reason for that. So they go to break. We come back, and there's Kenny Omega in a preschool reading the kids. He's got <laughs> great, the Young Bucks segment. book. I mean, it, it was my favorite segment of the night. Then later on, they're <laughs> they're talking about the demographic, the four to nine year old demographic <laughs> that they've been looking for. This is this is their
1: chance to take advantage of that. Road Dog. we always talk about ratings. We always talk about what the ratings look like in AEW, and Jericho was good about it too And on social media where he'll break down the fourth wall and say, look, WWE, you won here, but look, we won in the one that we care about. They're going for a new demographic here. <laughs> you start now, you get them long term.
3: Then they have to run, and then the kids ask Omega if he can play with them, and Don Gage says, no, no, the kids can play with the uh, – Nakazawa and the kids turn on Nakazawa. They turn heel on him.
1: Make every wrestling parent proud. Yep. At one point in time, you're kind of happy when your son. I think a couple heel. of
3: those kids. Those weren't uh, those weren't working punches. I saw a couple of legitimate punches <laughs> there a little <laughs> <Yes>. bit. <laughs> they, they gave Nakazawa a couple of potatoes there, if I'm not mistaken. So later on, you got the world tag team match. We're talking about AEW, the Young Bucks against Santana and Ortiz. Ortiz. Stands on the apron, shouts the best, then gets into the ring, inside cradle, one, two,
1: three, the young bucks win. Then here comes the inner circle! And again, you knew that was coming. Oh, completely. The inner circle had gotten kicked from ringside. They come out, they come back out and they attack the young bucks. Everything about this match was really cool except the end. The end was just kind of. What do you think about making the guys tap out? I, I'm not sure. I I like that. Too look, much. just pass out at this point. In time. Yeah, don't
2: you talking about the young bucks? Yeah. I, well, that was just a. You know, that was just another storyline teller. What does that do for, for their character? For the later on, when those two or four have their match at the next pay per view, is like, oh, they do tap out when they get put in this move. So you, so if they get put in that, we'll be looking for that. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah. You know, it just feeds the storyline. I did not like the way the match ended. Yeah, I didn't like it. It just—it was a just time a limit, up.
1: and you roll them up, and there you go. It's done. So time limits up, and if the tap out is signifying of anything, and I hope I'm wrong, and I don't—I can't think of one we've ever seen, a tag team submission match. That You know, you used to see it a lot with Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle would come out. Wrestlers, that their finishing move was like a a submission move. They came out, they made you tap. If that's where you're going with it, we've never seen it before, and I don't think the Young Bucks even have any type of submission in their arsenal. So it would be something different in AEW just trying to continue on that path of doing different things.
4: Five dollar minimum balance required.
3: Then Jericho on the outside gets into it with Papa Buck, who then shoves him. I mean I, I I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to make
1: out of that. Am I? I'm wrong. And look, I'm not in the best of shape. I'm in no shape. I'm round. I need Jericho to put a shirt on now. Like <laughs> the six pack is gone. Yeah. Things aren't where they quite used to be. Maybe we put on a wrestling singlet, just where the you know the suspenders come over the. None top. of us are kids
3: anymore, John,
1: including so, Chris Jericho. Maybe it's just me. I'm not critiquing the guy. He's he's a hell of an athlete, but maybe we put on a singlet this year. Maybe we change the uniform, the wrestling uniform. Close up the jacket this year and just do something a little different. Uh, match number six. You got Archer
3: and Moxley and Phoenix against Eddie Kingston, the Butcher and the Blade. Now now explain this whole thing to me. This Moxley deal with the guy who was wearing the Harry Carson jersey. <laughs> Saying, I can't get rid of you. And then John Moxley saying, I'm going to beat some sense into you. What's happening here?
2: Well, John and Eddie go way back, according to the Independents. So they have a longstanding relationship. And they uh, had a match uh, at the last paper, or two, uh, yeah, the last true pay per view that AEW had uh, in an I quit match. Um, where Moxley won and retained over Eddie Eddie Kingston. So it's a lot of playing off of their relationship from the independents and even when Moxley went to WWE and Eddie stayed in the independents and now that they're both in AEW together – so I, I, that plays to that crowd a lot, and it misses on a huge part of the TV viewing audience, I believe. Yeah, well, you have in point. I'm like, neat, no point, what's, I'm like what, what, what's
3: he talking about here? I had no idea. And
2: I would not really have been that familiar with it if AEW hadn't filled us in on some of that stuff uh, leading up to that match at the pay-per-view myself. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's it's good it, it, it just lets you know that there are histories there between the two of them and that they have that friendship that is kind of rocky at the moment.
3: Then, after they win, Moxley's side, Kenny Omega, here he comes out and attacks Moxley, who nobody, it's tremendous how John Moxley sells, because it's funny. Correct. Like, he kind of twitches, then he'll fall forward and fall back. I mean, it's... It's similar to when The Rock would sell the stone cold stunner. It was so over the top that it was funny. That's what Moxley does when he
1: sells. You mean the age old backflip, front yeah, flip, handstand. I mean he give, he goes completely over the top when he <laughs> sells. The but that's the beauty of Moxley is just even just his natural movements, the way he walks the ring. If you saw this guy walking down the street from a distance, you, all right, honey, let's cross the street. This guy looks like there's he's something wrong with him, yeah. really wrong. And I know we you know when he was Dean Ambrose, he was the lunatic fringe. That's the way he sells. That's the way everything that goes into it. And it's just the crazy guy that, you know, Nick, I've heard you tell stories. The guy from the neighborhood mm-hmm. that you beat him up, he's still getting up. He's right. bloodied. He's bruised. He just doesn't get it. Yeah, he's looking at you. Stay down. Yeah. Nope. Do this all day, fella. Let's go again. That's
3: John Moxley. He's just going to keep getting up. Explain this to me because as Omega attacks Moxley, he then tells him they're going to go one-on-one in an exploding barbed wire death match. Which, again, sounds like a bit to me.
2: Yeah, it just sounds... Well, it's unrealistic. They think you're going (laughs) to have exploding... elements and barbed wire but that's uh, that's one of john moxley's thing is barbed wire and going back to kenny in japan i mean that's a big thing over there in japan the barbed wire and the death matches i can tell you this i'm looking forward to seeing it because i'm going down to jacksonville for the revolution uh and
1: this will be the first time i've ever seen that match in person so i'm uh, really excited about watching and it. it's in uh, moxley's wheelhouse because moxley started out in backyard wrestling mm-hmm. the old-fashioned just in someone's backyard they put up a makeshift ring they just grabbed bar- barbed wire, baseball bats, doing moonsaults. I wonder salt- what the-
3: kind of shape that guy's going to be in ten years from now,
1: brother. I want to see the CAT scan of his brain now. Yeah, well, I-, I don't even want to wait ten years. Let's get. The I-, CAT I watched scan. some of those promos, and uh,
3: I-, I think he's going off track a lot during some of those promos. If you watch, cuts. it, what was it? The show uh, of like for like two seconds, he's off track. You could just see something something isn't firing in his brain, and then he
1: gets back on track. What's the show? A uh, Total Divas, where he's married to a Renee Young. Renee is his girlfriend. And I wow. I guess they were out at dinner with her parents. Guy walks by and, you know, obviously it's scripted. They snake his hat, snake her hat. He jumps over a wall, chases the guy down. He goes back to the wrestler. Mm-hmm. He leaves from being this normal guy sitting at this five-star French restaurant, hops a wall, and she's, oh, my God, look what he's doing. He's like, yeah, he might actually he, – you he didn't sell him on this. You just told him. Wound him up and got him. Yeah, to I think code.
3: mentally he goes off the beaten path every now and then. regularly.
1: Oh
2: yeah, yeah, regularly. Regularly,
1: <laughs> it's one of those things. They put out videos on social media where you know he's giving her stone cold stunners. I don't. Now she's pregnant, so hopefully he's not doing that now. Yeah, hopefully he stopped that. <laughs> but he's the teaching of the her child. how to sell and how does that go at home? All right, honey. So tonight we'll have the steak, and uh, you mind taking a pile driver?
3: And uh, this is ca- something called the reverse neck breaker that we'll do for dessert. So the exploding barbed wire. Deathmatch will take place between Moxley and Omega. And that's uh, the episode uh, that was AEW this week. Let's jump ahead, jump back, I should say, to Monday Night Raw and how it opens. We know the Elimination Chamber is going to be happening on Sunday night and yada, yada, yada. The Miz comes out. Drew McIntyre is his guest. He keeps calling Drew Andy and uh, eventually keeps cutting off Andy. And then Drew McIntyre throws him a headbutt and then throws the uh, Money in the Bank briefcase into the what would have been stands, into the virtual stands. The Thunderdome. So, yeah. I, I just don't know, and we'll talk about how it ended, I just don't know what the impetus is for me to go out of my way and watch this pay-per-view. Is there one, Adam?
2: Again, this is what I talked about last week with Drew in that match.
1: Andy. <laughs>
2: with Andy in yeah. that match, your main event, you know, you assume he's walking out. So there's that the main event really has no draw to it not, in my opinion because you kind of know the outcome unless now Miz not being in the match uh is going to cash in at the end of the match. I guess you can always have that in the back of your head uh, poss- as a possibility. Uh but no, there's nothing on this pay-per-view and I and I usually do enjoy the uh elimination chamber match itself. Uh, it's nothing that's really screaming to me, tune in to watch, but I will.
3: And the Bad Bunny is now the uh, 24-7 champion. And You want to go over the list of some people, I don't have it in front of me, that have been the 24-7 champion. It's been everybody. I think Kyle Bush at one point,
1: Rob yeah. Gronkowski. I mean, yes. the list goes on and on and on. The thing about this title is, I mean, there are people who say, well, championships matter. Then successfully bringing out the 24-7 championship has now made our truth a Hall of Famer. <laughs> I mean, the guy is now the most decorated wrestler in all of wrestling because he's held the thing like 87 times. So he's now one of the most decorated wrestlers in all of wrestling. And now, it, it you, you don't want to say it's a gimmick. It's a, it's a bad joke because you look up Bad Bunny has it. We're going to look up one day and whoever the new child actor is that's very popular they're going to have everybody gets the belt they show up here one of us can roll somebody up become the 24 7 champion now
3: here's my question and somebody this isn't original somebody put this forth on social media if they wrestle now bad bunny against our truth to try to get it back is he going to dress as elmer fudd <laughs>
1: <laughs> see peter would get involved now peter doesn't well, want he, those you know, kind of listen. things
3: he is the bad bunny waska Wabbit. Yeah, I I don't know, it's just a thought. Adam Pearce backstage, New Day and Miz are going round and round, so they start to talk about who should be involved in this gauntlet match at the end. And then you've got one of the twists, or at least what they thought was going to be a big twist, Charlotte and Asuka come out, and then Lacey comes out, Peyton is there, and they're supposed to be a tag team taking on Asuka and Charlotte. And essentially, Peyton gets the crap beat out of her, and the whole time Lacey is standing Outside, She finally gets tagged in and then she jumps down off the apron, gets a microphone and says, keep your hands off me because I am pregnant. And then Ric Flair does the old hitting himself on the shoulder. Woo, woo, woo. The whole deal. So the, the implication is Ric Flair is the father of Lacey's child. It, it's this deserving. has got Vince McMahon written all over it.
2: You're it, the father,
1: pal. An ongoing joke that we call the WWE uncreative because they just had nothing here. You couldn't have given her, let her fake an injury. You couldn't have just, hey, we're going to send you. You're suspended. I mean, she's legitimately pregnant. Yes, she's legitimately pregnant in real life. And she's not legitimately pregnant with Ric Flair. Well, I would child. hope to God not. We hope not. <laughs> but who, who knows in this day? I mean, it, it's just a bad storyline altogether. And the part that makes this so sad is that. When you look at the women's tag team division, where you look at uh, uh Asuka and Charlotte, and you put even where you have Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, you actually have some decent tag teams there. You could get some quality matches, mm-hmm. and this is what you're putting out there. The, you got Peyton Royce who's standing there doing saying nothing. You're just wondering what she's there for, like she's a valet, and, and – You're destroying your tag team division for women, and you have champions there, and you're doing nothing with it. And this is the stuff that you're putting with it. What happened? I know Ric Flair
3: needs the money, but this is a guy when I was a kid custom made, head to toe, the four horsemen. He made it cool to root for heels. And this is what he's become. This is why you need to get out of the business. You got to go you got to stop.
2: This is why you got to save money while well, you're in the business. More importantly. And not get divorces and divorces. <laughs> and, and, he's, yeah. he's
3: become more than a cartoon character.
2: It is it is unfortunate to look back at the Ric Flair of, like, say, the 80s and, the, and even the 90s uh, and compare that to the Ric Flair of now. Uh, it seems very cartoonish com- uh, compared to his more serious. But, yeah, it's I love Ric Flair. He's one of my favorites. Me he's, too. He always will be. Uh, but, you know, this is, this is one of those times where I'll agree with John and others where, uh, maybe a little less is better for Ric Flair showing up on I mean, TV. help guys
3: behind the scenes. Be a yeah. mentor behind the scenes. You don't need to be out there doing this stuff. I think
1: the coolest thing they did was, you know, and it was a stretch of an angle, but you had, a uh, Ric Flair coming out with Charlotte Flair, taking on Natalia coming out with Brett the Hitman Hart. I think that was a cool angle. You see the generational kind of thing going on there. Okay, that was cool. They don't need That's to a be one-off. You, you, exactly. can't, you can't do that all the week time. Week in and week out, it's just kind of like, okay, this doesn't need to happen. And it's just time for Rick. Isn't he a grandfather by now? Doesn't somebody have ki- grandkids oh, Multiple-time multiple yeah. grandfather. And so, I mean, at this point in time, don't you want to go play on the swing with the kids? It's just a rough sight to see. And it's sad. It's heart- disheartening to see. It's heartbreaking to see when you look at, you know, someone that – you looked at it as as a kid growing up, your hero, and now your heroes are just growing old, and so they need to go away.
3: Kofi takes on the Miz, Kofi wins. He'll be a part of the Gauntlet. Then you get a recap of uh, Nia Jax, my hole, and of course <laughs> Atlanta Naomi are making hole jokes backstage. So obviously they're gonna they're gonna milk this thing for all it's worth. I, I don't know how much longer it can go on, but but as of right now, for at least one week, the whole jokes will continue.
1: Well, I mean, look, as long as there's no unholy alliance that takes place within WWE and these silly stories, but you got to keep going with it because... Unholy alliance. I see what you did there. But it's the best thing that Nia Jax has ever done on a microphone. I know. She's not... She's Look, she's... I hate to say this. This sounds so bad. Forgive me. She's just a big girl, and that's what Vince wanted to use, and he's using it, and she can... She's dangerous in the ring, but that was the best thing she did was literally falling off the apron onto her butt and saying, my hole. Correct.
3: That is probably the best thing uh, that she has definitely done. So then we're talking about the gauntlet, Randy Orton is backstage, yada, 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 unfinished business, this, that, and the other. And then he says, I'm going to get you with the arcade then blip. Here's Alexa Bliss. Talk about a storyline that's getting old, that's going nowhere. Enough with this Alexa Bliss and Bray Wyatt deal. Enough. Enough. Is there going to be a payoff here eventually? Because we're running out of time and interest. Are we not, Adam? I,
2: yes, I think it is starting to be spread a little too thin. Uh, I'm ready for Wyatt to come back. Uh, I think uh, putting Alexa out there on her own so far is starting to wear on me a little bit. I, and I love Alexa. I me too. Not, I have not. I think she's talented. Very. Yeah, think she's very talented. and uh, As a wrestler. Oh, yeah, she's good at that too. And, uh, and I enjoy her her characters on uh, stage, and, and and Wyatt is very creative. So I'm sure once we get there, it's going to be hopefully worth the long wait that we had to sit through to get there uh, with him. But, yes, I it's, it's ready to move on to the next chapter of this story. We've spent a lot of time
3: here. Uh, Shayna Baszler gets Lana to tap out, and then we move on backstage. All of a sudden, Adam Pierce is back there again. Here comes Braun Strowman. So I ask you, what's the angle now with Braun Strowman? He just shows up and talks for about three minutes. And here's another guy that I think they could have done so much more with. They just don't have a game plan anymore for him. It, it, it seems like they're out of ideas.
2: That's the story of his career. Wouldn't you agree, John? It seems like there's so many times where since he's got in, and he, even when he was a member of the Wyatt family and then broke apart and then his singles run, it's been so star, uh start and stop with his career in storylines and flipping back and forth between good guy and bad guy that they just cannot uh, get a consistent storyline for the Paul him. White syndrome. You're flipping yeah, him the way big too show, much. The big exactly, show. Right. exactly. And it's just, it's unfortunate because I think if they were to just consistently go with him in one consistent storyline, good guy or bad guy. And again, I think he tends to be better as a bad guy because especially the bigger guys usually tend to uh, feel that shoe better than the good guy. Uh I think he has great potential, but there's been injuries, there's just been
1: inconsistent storyline uh that's really hurt his career thus far. But the thing that WWE has to get over and we talked about two people that I think that's the concern when you come to it. Braun Strowman and Alexa Bliss. You you know they both have have had injuries. Alexa Bliss came in, she had a great run. She was what if not the first one of the first Grand Slam champions of the women's division, Braun Strowman. You got to get over this. This is a physical business. It's going to happen. You've seen wrestlers. through Shawn Michaels has had how many back and knee and neck? Triple H, uh, The Rock, Kurt Angle. It goes on and on and on. At some point in time, you got to say, you know what? This could be a little bit better, though, if I put this person here. And I just got to take the chance with it and run with it. You look at a guy like uh, he's now at NXT, Finn Balor. He was the first universal champion. He got injured. He never got another shot at it. He never got another rematch. And now it's just kind of like, well, look at the talent that you wasted. And WWE has to remember, they're not the only game in town now. There's another option that's out there that realistically you could see people go to that if you get to a point of I'm being underutilized, I'm not being used for what I want. I mean, there are some people, look, the money's great. The payday is great. But if you're being underutilized, you're going to leave and you're going to go somewhere else. And Braun Strowman could easily be one of those people that, He's being underutilized. He could be used for so much more and easily be picked up someplace else.
2: And we've already seen that happen. I mean, that's exactly what uh, Miro Rusev Mm -hmm. said. He said in WWE there was the imaginary uh, gold ring that they uh, told you to go for, but it wasn't ever there, and and so he jumped ship to AEW.
3: Well, again, we'll see how that plays itself out with Braun Strowman. I don't want to bore everybody with the gauntlet matches. Let's just say... It comes down to Sheamus, and also it comes down to Drew McIntyre. and Shocker. Yeah, Sheamus beats him. So does that set up for Sheamus winning again this weekend? Probably not. I I can't see Sheamus. He's been a champion before. I I can't see that happening again. This is just, it's not his fault, but he is what he is. He's limited, as is Drew McIntyre. I mean, what's supposed to happen here? It's such a weak story. What's the
1: motivation for me to tune in? I think they would have done. It's such a weak story that they have there with these two against each other. You would have done better letting them be. What well, they're both from Scotland, Ireland, putting them back together. Make them heels.
3: Just, Make let let Scottish them Scottish heels. Do something exactly.
1: along those lines. Drinking buddies. That's all they they talk yeah. about drinking and fighting. You had a little something there, and I don't know if it's the concern because you know we're, people are snowed in right now. People are still staying away due to COVID, injuries, so many things that if WWE is just afraid to really branch out there but there's nothing here that sparks my interest to just say why don't why do I want to tune into this the biggest thing you can hope for is that there's some weird way the Miz gets involved and cashes
3: in all right so let me ask you this Adam we'll start with you who's more to blame with the problems right now in the WWE Triple H or Vince McMahon
2: reportedly everything still runs through Vince McMahon so uh even if uh you know, whatever ideas are getting put out there, if it's Triple H putting out good ideas and he has had success with NXT, uh, cause reportedly he is the Vince McMahon of NXT. So, uh, you know, you gotta put the blame on McMahon. I mean, if he is this, this be all, say all of what happens and what goes on TV. So there's no, there's
1: no other choice in my opinion. John, you agree? Yeah, you gotta go Vince McMahon. And I mean, those people who will argue, The guy who's been doing this for so long, who took this from a territory company to the global brand that it is now, the multi-billion dollar company that it is now, how can you say he's out of touch and he doesn't understand? But it comes a point in time and we see it, you know, in several different sports out there. He's too protective of this brand so much so that now it almost seems like he's making poor decisions. And because he went so long without competition, I mean, that's the goal of any company is to buy out and own your competition, and he did that, that he got lazy. He got relaxed. It's just there is no competition. I can mess this up ten ways a Sunday. All there is is that small little territory company that's in Georgia or somewhere, wherever it may be, and I don't have to worry about it. And now he's gotten so relaxed that he doesn't know how to get back to it. It might be time for, you know, we talk about it. Ric Flair, time to step aside. Vince McMahon. It might be time to step aside. Major parts of wrestling
3: history, Vince McMahon and Rick Flair. Speaking of which, we take you through some of the things that happened this week in wrestling history. Let's go back to February the seventeenth, two thousand and two. The WWE has their no way out no way out pay-per-view in Milwaukee, and it's the entrance of the New World Order. Hulk Hogan's first appearance on a WWF show in almost a decade as it's Big Daddy Cool and also Razor Ramon, not in character, of course, and uh, Hulk Hogan as Hollywood Hogan. They are back, and we know eventually that Hogan is going to be a face again.
1: Vince McMahon bought them back. He wanted to bring back a poison. I remember watching this when he made the announcement on Nitro, excuse me, on Raw, on what he was going to do where he's being this evil guy, and I'm going to bring a virus, is what he called the NWO, which was a slap in the face because NWO became one of the largest... Things in pro wrestling for its time It honestly could have gone longer if it just Egos didn't get in the way But it was it was kind of cool to see it back It's what we always wanted to see We wanted to see these this monster Of, of a faction that came about Come to WWF, WWF But it you knew at some point In time that Hulk Hogan had to get back into the, the red and gold And Adam Hogan being one of your favorites You know would you have preferred to see him In NWO black and white Or or were you ready to see him go back to the, to the red and yellow? Uh, I enjoyed seeing him come
2: back in the uh, as Hollywood, the heel character of Hogan. Uh, but then I think, and I'm sure they had plans for him to come back into the red and yellow, uh, not red and gold. Excuse me, I'm sorry. <laughs> Brother! <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think that match at WrestleMania between him and Rock really accelerated that because they saw the fans get behind Hogan uh, in that match, and and so they probably went a little sooner than maybe they had planned. Um, But, yeah, it was fine.
3: It has nothing to do with anything that we're going to talk about, but we brought up Hulk in the red and yellow. The best promo that I ever saw was when Shawn Michaels was pretending to be Hulk Hogan on the Larry King
1: show.
3: Show. Oh, brother, brother, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Then he kicks Larry King.
1: And you talk about that match where uh – I can't remember the pay-per-view, but Shawn Michaels didn't want to put Hulk Hogan over. SummerSlam. And we talked about the oversales, where he has him on the turnbuckle, and he himself. kicks him. And, I mean, Shawn Michaels literally does a yeah. 360 cartwheel off the top turnbuckle. He just did well, not want to put him Shawn over. Well, because Shawn Michaels
3: was under the impression that, okay, I- I'm going to beat you, and then you're going to pay back the favor, and Hulk said, no, brother, it's not good for business. So, Shawn Michaels became the Shawn Michaels of old.
1: <laughs> and you want to play this game? We'll play this game, Hulkster. Oh, but, man, he He made one punch. He's doing a cartwheel halfway across the ring. He just sold it. It was a great match to watch. I mean, you got to look at the comedy of it Mm -hmm. because there was no story there. You had to know the backstory to really enjoy it.
3: There hasn't been a story surrounding Hulk Hogan since he joined the NWO. I said it.
1: Oh, you're awful. I mean no no
3: disrespect to you, Adam Gillespie.
2: I would take Hogan right now. He's Mount Rushmore, number one best wrestler of all time. Oh, you're crazy. Here we go.
3: Doesn't know a wrist lock from a wrist watch. So, on this date in 1999, uh, Valentine's Day, the WWF held the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Why not pay-per-view with the Pyramid in Memphis? It was the debut of Paul White that we mentioned earlier, now known as the Big Show. And it's pretty interesting to hear Paul White talk about the transition from WCW to the WWF at the time. He said, here, you have competition. Everybody wants to be the best match on the card, whereas everybody was resting on their laurels at the end in WCW. It was a whole new work ethic when Paul White came to WWF at the time.
0: A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support
4: for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.
1: Well, I mean, the first thing he had to get over was being billed as Andre the Giant's son. Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> I mean, they brought him in WCW where here's Andre the Giant's son. And we didn't have the power of the Internet like people do now. You know, it was World Book Britannica Encyclopedia to go and look it up. Right. And it wasn't in there. So that was the first thing he had. And then the next thing that he had to do was he had started. He even himself said he started resting on his laurels. And Vince McMahon, they not too long after, they partnered him with uh, The Undertaker, and he said it was the scariest time in his career because here's a guy he never rested on his laurels. The Undertaker, that is. This is a guy that worked every single day. And he talked about just how scary it was when you came through Gorilla position and made a mistake. And here's the Undertaker sitting there waiting for you wanting to talk to you and he points that finger and he had to get over that concept of i'm not just the big guy anymore i actually have to work here to earn my spot and to keep my that just speaks of the difference when wc of wwf back in the day when there was competition versus when there wasn't any
3: competition. yeah later on that night steve austin beats Vince mcmahon in a steel cage match and then paul white comes in and attacks austin throws him Into the wall of the cage the cage breaks austin falls to the floor and since he fell to the floor before vince mcmahon he was declared the winner
4: yeah it's just
3: amazing that you could put this together this puzzle together all right you're going to come in and this is what you're going to do at the end to make a statement the writing staff i mean it's brilliant how they come up with some of these
1: ideas they don't all work obviously but but to me this was great it's the old old fashion of uh watching like an opera okay so you need to pull this pin at this moment in time. So right. when he throws him into the cage, Steve, you're going to have to roll to the ground, and that's how you're going to win this. But
3: well, it's fascinating to hear a guy like Glenn Jacobs, you know him as Kane, talk about the, the mayor, first time. Now. Yeah, the mayor of Knox County. He talked about the first time he did the stunt with the fire. He said, "We're doing it in rehearsal, and I've never done anything like this before." He said, "So I want you to think about this. I get to do it once or twice, maybe in rehearsal." Then I'm out there, i got to remember what I, I'm supposed to do in the ring, then I'm going to be set on fire. I mean, this, this is on live television. So Just think about the pressure on some of these performers. When you hear wrestling's fake, yeah, th- that's all well and good. It's scripted, but these guys a lot of times are asked to do insane things like set yourself
2: on fire, oh. which you've never done before. Well, what we talked about earlier, we're going to have an exploding barbed wire death match coming up uh, in a few weeks on AEW. I mean, that's going to be barbed how do we wire, practice this. Or, or we've seen yeah. multiple. How do times I work on this uh, uh, on AEW uh, with over the last few months? The thumbtacks, the bag of thumbtacks that gets thrown. I mean, that stuff hurts. Yes, it's scripted, but there is pain. Right, there is uh, very high uh, uh,
1: injury. Human preservation kicks in at some point in time of, John, go put your arm in that fire. Wait, you want me to do what now? (laughs) I'm going to pay you. That's great, but you want me to do what one more time? Walk through that ring of fire, and I'm going to set you on fire. And then you need to run to the back as quickly as you can so we can douse the fire out before you get burned.
2: And it wasn't planned, but, I mean, thinking about mankind going off at the top of the hell in the cell through the – through the uh, announcer table, then back up to go through the cage itself onto the mat. I mean, my God, uh, he's dead. There is some crazy it stuff that him. happens in this wrestling, and uh, sometimes it does go horribly wrong. When you look at like even Owen Hart's story, yeah, uh, where you know that was. Probably considered safe compared to some of the other stuff when he was just ziplining in from the, uh, or down from the roof, repelling, uh, and and the buckle broke. But I mean, man, it's, uh, they take some risk in this uh, sport or entertainment.
3: I I just love when people go, you know, it's fake. Yeah. You know that Robert Downey Jr. isn't really Iron Iron Man. You
1: you know that, right? Wait, wait, wait. You're telling me that there's not a man in an iron suit flying around overhead? You're you're aware that Tobey Maguire's not really Spider Man, right? Yeah, because it's Tom Holland. Well, yeah, now. Actually, in the new one, it's all three of them, all so three. now we have no clue. Now no, I'm very confused. I digress. Anyway, We're on to something on,
3: else. Valentine's Day in 1982, Dutch Mantell defeats Jerry Lawler in Memphis, Tennessee. I, I'm telling you, go back and watch some of this old Memphis stuff on YouTube. It is absolutely priceless. What a craft that they practiced back then.
2: The and announcers were was on the top of yeah. I mean he was the as a heel and as a face. king he went
3: back and forth uh, uh, all the time. The announcers weren't very good but but the wrestling and the storylines I
1: thought were solid a lot of times and Dutch Mantel what a great heel mm-hmm. all his career. He was a great heel but what was life like for Jerry Lawler in Memphis cuz I mean this is a guy who took on the moniker the king. Yeah. What was life like for him just to go around through Memphis to go around through Tennessee? Because you gotta believe. You talk about places where, like, you play college football in a small town. Nick Saban. Mm -hmm. You don't believe Nick pays for a whole lot of meals in 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 Alabama. He doesn't pay for. Here's a pro wrestler that goes around, and number one, the clothes are hysterical. What they wore, I know it was for the time, but for me, I get to watch it, and to watch this guy walk in, and he's a god to people when he walks into a Sizzler. There's the king. Give him a table. Sit him down. And just to watch, like Tom Brady in New England. They loved him, and it's just it's bizarre to think of that. And then just to watch the matches and watch the way that they worked back there, it was just kind of one of those scenarios of, man, these guys really had to hustle and grind to get to where they wanted to be.
3: And Jerry Lawler was a guy that essentially made Memphis and and really developed a lot of talent at him for the WWF, as it was known at the time. A lot of those guys... Started in Memphis, Randy Savage, one yeah, of them, Jimmy Savage. Hart, another. I mean, there's there's countless names. Oh,
2: yeah, there's a long list of, of people that came through there and started their career in Memphis and um, before coming up to the big show, so to say, in WWE. No, that's a wrestler. That's, that's a, a wrestler. whole different person. Yeah. And I, he started in WCW. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it, I, I agree. Go back on YouTube. You can go down a rabbit hole of Memphis wrestling. I mean, even the storyline with uh, – Andy Kaufman and and Jerry Lawler back in the day. It's, Andy it's,
3: Kaufman turns heel again. He's a that movie doesn't he doesn't do it justice. Then he turns on Jerry Lawler again, throws the yeah. chalk in his face. Yeah,
2: I mean, it's uh it's good I'm from Hollywood for, for a little wrestling territory uh, of Memphis and and, and 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 with Jerry Lawler and the Jarretts. Uh, it's, it. They put out a really good product. And
3: what's life for a heel? Because you have to really keep up kayfabe all the time.
2: Back then you did. Back then, yeah, back then.
3: I mean, yes. a guy like Dutch Mantel, I mean, today a heel can go into a restaurant. Everybody knows what it is. But even like the Sheik, the Iron Sheik years ago, he had to leave a lot of times in ambulances. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Like the ambulance that was there. The Barbarian tells a story when he was in Memphis wrestling Jerry Lawler. He said, we had to end the program because people were going nuts. They were burning cars outside of the arena. People were flipping out. Jerry Lawler pulled him into the office and said, kid, he said, he only called me kid. Kid, we got to end the angle. Someone's (laughs) going
1: to get killed if we don't end this angle. It it was bizarre because also in times there were, uh, was it the sheik who told the story going through an airport? He said, guy in the military walks up to him and wants to fight him. Right. And, you know I, I you know I was an assistant coach on the US exactly. Olympic team right the US Olympic like, wrestling relax, team Relax relax I mean, he said he wants to fight me in the airport he's just trying to go catch his it's like when
3: Sergeant Slaughter turned heel there were death threats death people threats to were his crazy. family
2: they had to get him uh, security uh, for him and his family. I mean, the, I think the best, if you want to go back and listen to some shoot interviews and stuff, one of the best, uh, or his podcast, uh, one of the best guys at this is, is Jim Cornette, because the majority of his career was in a heel role, or if not all of it. Uh, and he just talks about some of these small towns that they came in and I they used to
3: wrestle the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll mm-hmm, Express. Yeah, definitely. Yes.
2: Yeah. When he was with the uh, Midnight Express, and I mean, they were talking about he used to have to load that, uh, tennis racket up with something in case he needed it for protection. I don't talking about a gun, but maybe just like a weight so he could hit somebody with it. But, yeah, I mean, he's a, the, it got taken uh, seriously in those small towns. But, I mean, said,
1: what's the old adage? People always say wrestling is a male soap opera. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Back in the day, you had one of Young and the Restless guiding light or whatever it was. This is what the guy watched in terms of just that story that went with it.
3: But I mean, like Ricky Morton told the story when they hit him with the tennis racket, the Midnight Express. He didn't talk. I mean, no matter where he went, he didn't talk for a month. I mean, he would go to the restaurant and pretend like he couldn't talk. Yep.
2: You would sell it. Well, that's what happened with... And that's why it was such big news when uh, a guy we're talking about here, uh, Sheik and Duggan, got caught in the yeah. car together doing coke and speeding and uh, on the road traveling from one town to another because they were supposed to be wrestling in the town that night later on that they evening. They did actually wrestle in the yes, town later that night. they got fired. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, everything was supposed to be so behind... so secret, so behind the curtains.
3: Well, as we know, that's not the case uh, any longer. I, I go back to... Well, I was two, three, four years ago when Roman Reigns got suspended for the wellness policy, mm-hmm. and he comes back, and Seth Rollins is the top heel. And you could see Roman Reigns come in the ring, and somehow they're in, involved in the ring together. I don't know if it was a tag team or what it was, but you could see and they, they didn't cut away in time, and I'm sure Vince McMahon wasn't happy about it. But you could see um, Seth Rollins say, Welcome back, big dog, hey. <laughs> to Roman
1: Reigns. They do a little fist bump. So it's like it's right there for everybody to see. Look, one of the greatest ones that we ever saw was uh, Madison Square Garden. This was around the time Kevin Nash and Scott Hall were leaving the curtain call. And you had Triple H in the ring. You had Shawn Michaels. And they all went up and embraced each other. Now, this was well before... Camera phones and things like that existed. Somehow someone got a camera in there and got a picture of this. And evidently Vince lost his mind because Vince wanted to keep these stories well, covered. Well, they, they punished Triple H for years. He was the because only one he left.
2: Was, he was supposed to win that King of the Ring where Austin uh, eventually Austin 316 won. 316 came out. And then yep. we know what happened the history the rest of the way there. What, with what Austin if that never
3: 16. happens and Triple yeah. H becomes King of the Ring? Austin 316, as
1: you said, never happens. Does Triple H then be, still become Vince McMahon's son-in-law? Because at that point in time, he would have been a huge star very quickly. I mean, the time with Stephanie, he had to build up. He had to work his way back to Triple H because he was Hunter Hearst.
3: Helms How about dude. when he came back? You know, it's amazing that you see this a lot. And I'm not saying I blame him. I would do the same. Sleep when with they, Vince's wife? When they come back from injuries. daughter. <laughs> oh, Linda, let me tell you something. Don't sleep on Linda. <laughs> Eric Bischoff said she was a great kisser. That's neither here nor there.
1: Allegedly. Well, we yes.
3: have to say that part. When these guys uh, come back from injury, like when Triple H came back from one of the quad tears, remember how big he was? Yes. <laughs> he looked like a different human. Yes. He, he, I think a lot of, the, a lot of times you're, you're uh, recovering from an injury and uh, part of the rehab process, uh, you're able to
1: take certain things.
2: A little so, needle here and you, there. Well,
3: you work around the wellness policy. But it's the beauty recovering of is, from
1: injury. is when you get the wrestlers like Shawn Michaels who called it out, he's like, so what are you doing now? You come out here, you flex your back muscles now. Look at you! You got a, What have you been doing with yourself? It's great when you see wrestlers that they can take shots at each other. Yeah. That those of us were like, yeah, we all kind of noticed it. I'm glad you addressed the. Well, look at Carlito. I, I haven't Goodness. seen him
3: since uh, he came back, but man, he comes back.
1: Speaking of looking like a different human, it's a whole lot of apples. Yeah, that's a hell of a lot of apples. <laughs> Good protein and fiber that he added in his diet. There, I guess. Uh, one
3: be- last thing to uh, mention: uh, Bob Hawley on this date. Defeated Al Snow to win the vacant WWF Hardcore Championship. So, this uh, is a question, John. You put forth which is a better title, the 24/7 title or the Hardcore title?
1: The Hardcore title came about where they gave it to Mick Foley, Mankind. They took the old WWF. I'm oh, a good kisser, Jimmy. <laughs> they took his uh, watch that interview. They took the wing belt. They shattered it and gave mankind a title. Yeah, and then it became a kind of thing of it had to be defended twenty four hours, seven days a week, anywhere, mm. in hotels on the road. Well, that's ultimately what the twenty four seven title is. Right. And so it made me think of like, which one did you prefer? Because the hardcore title, we saw guys. You know, like I said, Mick Foley. We saw Tess. We saw Big Boss Man. We saw also Terry Reynolds win it. We're here. This twenty four seven title it's kind of it, we thought it was a fly by night kind of thing and now here it is what 2 years later 3 years later it's just going all over So the Adam place.
3: R- refresh my memory the hardcore title where they uh- different rules it had to be like anything goes
2: no it was still kind of like what the 24 it basically is a 24-7 championship it's just called hardcore uh and or yeah it was called and there was a little more hardcore edge to it at the time but you could still pin them anywhere right i mean pins were anywhere it 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 was was anything as a weapon yeah yeah, anything wears weapons which i'm pretty sure you could do in the 20 they do do in the 24-7 now the
1: hardcore title and i mean there's only been one or two true 24-7 matches hardcore match they actually did book and schedule a match of you came down to the ring your entrance where now it's just with three hours of Monday Night Raw where ultimately the title is living you, you gotta
3: scale that back and Vince McMahon we know was stubborn two hours nothing should be longer than two hours and I think at times even two hours is too long
2: sometimes it can be and they've proven that you give the WWE the chance to do it and they will uh, but yeah, three hours is way too much. It's, it's basically now just a money game because they're getting paid for it. The only thing I will say about the 24-7 championship is. It's, it's god awful ugly. It is, it is an ugly belt. I'll definitely give them that. Uh, but it's just a PR move. I mean, it crosses into NASCAR, crosses into whatever Bad Bunny is. It crosses into all these other things. So it gets mainstream uh, publicity from like an E. Or uh, Hollywood Tonight or whatever those shows are, picking it up, talking about the fact that Bad Bunny is now the WWE 24-7 champion. And we know that uh, going all the way back to WrestleMania 1, Vince McMahon has always loved that celebrity type of uh, brush-up. Uh, and getting that
1: publicity but for him. So you, that's all it's used for. But, but couldn't you do that where we see everybody who wins a championship in any sport now gets a WWE championship belt? Most recently the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where they have the personalized side mm-hmm. emblems on Cavs them. were, I think, the first team to they really get one because uh, Kevin Love was a big right. fan, so they made him one. Every team gets one. Make one for Bad Bunny. Make his own custom logo. They're making these customized belts now where you can take away this waste-of-a-title, waste-of-time belt and now just go give every... Bad Bunny shows up, here's a custom belt with his logo on it. Wherever you go and make one, you could still do that in the same way without having this stupid title floating around. I don't, I don't mean, know if you sure. get
2: the same PR response from that just because you hand Bad Bunny a, a title uh, that has his logo on it. But if you, call, if That's you, a hell
3: of a logo, by the way. It t- seems <laughs> like it took about 10 seconds to come up <laughs> with
2: yeah, it. Right, Graphic artists worked hard on that, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> but if, you, like a if, you,
3: drew if that.
2: you legitimately call him a champion of one of your belts, maybe it gets a little more pub. Uh yeah, I mean the 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 only bad thing or the bad thing about it is they're basically using TV time and taking away from us uh PR uh the a chance to get PR notices and and mentions.
3: All right, well listen guys, I appreciate the time and I feel like we need to devote more time to wrestling history. I I don't even want to waste too much time any longer until something really changes. AEW will look at but it just seems like we're spinning our wheels when we talk about Monday Night Raw. Does it not seem that way?
1: No, look, WWE and creative strikes again. Yeah. I mean, they, it it was funny uh, listening to, uh, I can't remember whose podcast it was, Kurt Angles, where he talked about on Smack, how SmackDown back in the day, he said they'd work six days a week on Raw, and then, then one day said, oh yeah, we still got to do SmackDown, what do we want to do there? It now looks like they're doing it for both of them, of just, if the talent's not there, they can't put put it together themselves then they're not trying, and that looks like what we're running into. And I agree. I like the history portion of it because you know, going back, watching some of these old matches, and anybody listening, go to YouTube, take some time out, go down that rabbit hole of just – and look at everything, the announcing, the ring. The ring looks so freaking stiff, and bumps look like they hurt just a little bit more because there was no spring
3: there. Even the old Georgia Championship wrestling in the center stage studios. I mean, you had like, what, 20 people in there when Ole Anderson – Turned heel in 1980s, Yelling at the crowd
1: Why don't you be quiet I mean, and it's, with, it's, it's an art form And even what's funny is When you look nice at Nice guy that Ole Anderson an <laughs> Those man. matches That's all you hear about How <laughs> nice you are yeah, just very, yeah, just
3: very understanding Patient human being
1: When you take those matches And you look at like ECW ECW looks like It would fit in perfectly yeah. Just in those 80's matches Where you're Who was it Bam Bam Bigelow Throwing little Spike Duggly Into the crowd And we watch AEW Where we talk about You know Darby Allin's like I think I could beat Darby Allin up. Yeah. I could beat up Little Spike Dudley. I know I couldn't take Van Van Bigelow. He, no. uh, he, he, he he might he was actually a little crazy the man with t- tattoos, flamed on his head. Yeah, but it it was really cool to go back and watch those older matches. And like I said, even the ECW time of just. Man, these guys are just in a high school gym trying to earn 250 bucks for the night.
3: Well, thanks for taking the time to listen. We'll continue to walk through wrestling history, talk about the pay-per-view over the weekend, some more AEW next week here on The Finishing Move. Like and subscribe and download, or Adam Gillespie will find you and get you in a cross chicken wing. Wrestling's fake. Wrestling's not
2: fake!